Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Open your Bibles to uh, 2 Corinthians, and we are in the 11th chapter. I'm going to give you a quick reminder of the context and exactly what, why we're talking about what we're talking about. You know, Jesus in his time on the earth was the Word become flesh. He was the exact representation of the Father. That's Hebrews 1, verse 3. His Word and teaching were the Word of God to man, which man could not comprehend apart from the Spirit of God, apart from the Spirit's revelation. Jesus is Emmanuel. He was Emmanuel, and he is Emmanuel. He will always be Emmanuel, God with us. Yet in being the word of God to a sin-cursed world, their reaction was less than receptive. He was despised, he was rejected, and he suffered greatly at the hands of men. Well, when Paul became God's messenger, he took on the sufferings of Christ. And through Paul, the Lord brought us two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul was used of God to bring the revelation of salvation to the Gentiles. And as far as I know, he founded more churches than any other apostle. No man has been more greatly used for the spreading of the gospel and the articulation of the new covenant apart from our Lord. No man has been used so greatly And no man apart from our Lord has suffered so much. Is there a parallel there? Well, there is. We're going to talk about, as Paul deals with these false apostles, what I want you to be aware of, what I want you to see in this conflict, is not the conflict between the false apostles and Paul, but literally the difference between flesh and spirit. Because that's what's being illustrated here. The difference between flesh and spirit. Now, we've studied many of the Paulian epistles. And in each one, you see Paul very vigorously and emotionally and vehemently mounting a defense against the false teachers or false apostles. Everywhere that Paul went, his enemies or the enemies of truth would follow him. Because here's the thing about Paul. I brought this out last week. Paul represented the word of God. Paul was to the people that he taught and ministered to, was literally the word of God being brought through Paul. So whenever Paul would leave wherever he was, the enemy saw an opportunity to come in. And work a distortion, to work a deception. So they followed him, and they looked for opportunity everywhere Paul was. Paul was vigilant, and he loved these churches. And wherever he was, 
He ministered, he discipled, he showed them how to live from the inside out. He taught them who they were in Christ. And he even said they were his spiritual children. The thing that grieved him most of all was to know that as soon or maybe even before he left, the deceivers would come in. So you see Paul addressing this because it's not an anomaly. It's a problem for every church that Paul planted And the reason I keep bringing it up is this. It's a problem today. Now listen, distortion, deceiving, division, all of these things will bear their fruit in flesh. In other words, these deceivers came in a body and they manifested deception in a body through the flesh. You can divide flesh, you can't divide spirit. And they would come in amongst the people of God and they would set some kind of distortion, some type of corruption within the body of Christ. That is going on even today. Now you say, well, I know everybody sitting around me. There's, uh, there's nobody around me that's doing that. They're all, you know, they're all close to the Lord. They're studying the word. These people love the Lord. I don't see that going on. Yes, you do. You see it going on television You see it going on the internet. You see it going on even in Christian broadcasting. You see it going on. It is going on constantly. And you know what? It's not unsuccessful. Now, the strategy of these people was to distort the truth in the mind of the believers, to marginalize those things that affirm the truth. So what is our defense against this pervasive work of the enemy among the people of God? Paul wrote against these deceivers in almost every letter he wrote. Paul warns against these wolves that disguise themselves as sheep and drag off and devour the sheep in Acts 20. I read that for you last week, but I want to call your attention to verse 31 because it shows Paul's heart, of, which is really the Father's heart. Following his warning concerning the wolves... And literally telling them that they would come, not that they might come, but that they would come. In verse 31, he says this to them. He says, therefore, because they will come, therefore, be continually alert, remembering. Now, I want you to see what he's calling them to do here. Remembering that for three years, night Or day, I did not stop admonishing and advising each one of you with tears. For three years, night and day, I did not stop pleading with you, advising you. You see, Paul's passionate about this. He's not wrapped up in human sentimentalism. He's reminding them of the Father's heart for them. It is God, through Paul, pleading with them, bearing his heart before them. So Paul, via the Spirit of God, he knows what they're going to be confronted with. And he's pleading with tears that they would remember the word that they were given. Well, they were given the word through Paul. He wants them to continually be reminded of the word. He wants them to bathe their souls in the truth. In that way, they will have a defense against the lies of the enemy. He is saying to them, you desperately need to cling to the truth that you have heard. It is a protection for your souls. As we examine Paul's defense against the false apostles that infiltrated the Corinthian fellowship, we have to ask, why were they willing to hear these deceivers? 
And if a body that experienced the spirits working among them with power, which Paul uh, talks about in 1 Corinthians, a body that had seen the miracles of God around them and in one another, a body that for two years sat under the discipling of the Apostle Paul himself, saw miracles, healings, and all kinds of miraculous action. If a body like that can be led astray, what hope do we have? How vulnerable are we? You'll remember last week I spoke to you about the moorings of truth. And I want to remind you of part of that message uh, because I feel so strongly about this. I believe that the falling away of the Christians of Christians today is the result of their determination to embrace a man-centered gospel that accommodates a passive, lethargic devotion and an ignorance of Scripture and a freedom to forsake the assembly. The enemy has redefined every God-ordained expression of Christian discipline and devotion as legalism and liberty and grace as license or lately some form of provisional universalism. The emphasis on relationship, the enemy has corrupted, and it has left many Christians with a passive take-it-or-leave-it interaction with a God they barely know. The lack of passion for the things of God and the people of God has filled our churches with soulish worshipers, who show up to be entertained and have an emotional experience. I believe that few Christians gather to worship in spirit and in truth. Now, because Paul was God's messenger, an apostle who brought the word of God to the early Christians, the enemy saw his leaving as the first opportunity because the people would no longer have him as a mooring of truth. The believers of that day did not have the scripture. And as I said, they were taught in the tradition of the Jews. They came to the assembly to hear the word of God spoken or read. And Paul's teaching and preaching and letters were the word of God to the believers. They were guarded first by their determination of faith, by the presence of the spirit of God. Secondly, by their determination of faith and devotion that compelled them. And if you look in Acts compelled them to devote themselves to prayer, to meditate upon the word of God, to delight themselves in the gathering of the believers for worship and fellowship. That's what goes on in the early church. That's what they dedicated their lives to. Why? Because these things were the moorings of truth that kept them from being tossed about, as Paul referenced in Ephesians 4.14. So that you are no longer children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine, by cunning and trickery and unscrupulous men, by the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit. Listen, we are secure in our relationship with him. We are held fast in our union with him. But our souls will drift Our souls will drift without an obedience to hold the practices of faith, without an obedience to cling to the things that God put before us to affirm the truth within us. I am going to keep reiterating that because it is important for us to remember this. What calls us to the faith? What calls us back to the truth of our union? 
Well, let me tell you something. You have two ways to come into the truth of that. Number one is through knowing him in the scriptures, knowing him in prayer, knowing him by gathering yourselves together in worship. It's not about what goes on or what is said or what is read. It's about these are the places where he reveals himself to his children. The other way is to completely ignore those things and let your soul drift with the rest of the world and crash from rock to rock and you cry out for deliverance. Then you can live the roller coaster existence of so many Christians who don't know the difference between religion and relationship. So, now we're going to look at Paul's defense against the attacks, the attacks of the false apostles. And they could not be ignored by Paul because the Corinthians had been living out of their flesh. That doesn't mean they weren't Christians. They were just living life according to the flesh. And the evidence of that was their acceptance of carnality and compromise with the world. You see that in 1 Corinthians. We read about it, right? We are only, now listen to this, we are only vulnerable to the deceptions of the flesh when we live to indulge the flesh. I'll say that again. We are only vulnerable to the deceptions of the flesh when we live to indulge the flesh. That's when we're vulnerable. So they were beginning to listen to the criticisms about Paul. And please understand, Paul was not worried about his reputation. He was not worried about being discredited. But in discrediting Paul, these false apostles were discrediting his message, which was the word of God to the Corinthians, and he couldn't have that. That had to be stopped. So Paul begins to address the criticisms. Last week we left off at verse 11, and today we'll begin with verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 12. Paul writes, But what I am doing, I will keep doing, for I am determined to keep this independence in order to cut off the claim of those who want an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things they brag about. Now remember that what Paul was doing was he was refusing to take support from the body he was currently ministering in, in order not to be a burden to them. That was his practice. It didn't just start with the Corinthians. He wasn't against being supported because he took support from other churches and actually exhorts the churches to support the ministry of God's word, to support the ministers. But for Paul, not while he was among them would he take support. These false apostles had attempted to duplicate the works of an apostle in order to prove themselves as equal to Paul. But the one thing, now this will surprise you, the one thing they were unwilling to duplicate was Paul's refusal to take support from the Corinthians. Shocked, aren't you? This infuriated the false apostles because it showed a distinction that they couldn't overcome. And Paul is letting them know in this one verse, and you hear it, He's letting them know that he's going to continue to refuse support from the Corinthians. Why? So they couldn't, so the false apostles couldn't take the letter and say, yeah, see here, he's asking for money. This is what he's doing. He's telling you he didn't take any money and he deserves money. That's what he's doing. Paul says, no, I don't want your money. I will not, I'll continue not taking any money. Then he goes to verse 13 and he confronts these guys. He calls them exactly what they are. He says, for such men, those who are taking your money, 
For such men are counterfeit apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. Verse 14. And no wonder, since Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. So it's no great surprise if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. But their end will correspond with their deeds. So there's little confusion about who Paul's addressing in this. Their work was satanic in its origin. They were deceiving, disguising themselves as messengers of Christ. A deception is a work that comes against the soul. It comes against the mind, will, and emotions. It is typically a subtle distortion of truth that moves us from the living word who's at our center, who is our life, to the understanding, the mental acuity of man. Why? Because man can be deceived, right? So, when our truth is just a product of our soul, the mind, will, and emotions, it is easily distorted because there is no balance in the soul. Truth must come from the person of Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. It is the Spirit of Christ that takes the Scripture and makes it the living Word to us. Any understanding of Scripture apart from the Spirit will be distorted. It will become an open door for the deceiver. Deceivers twist your understanding of truth. If you've neglected the Scriptures, then you can be manipulated in your understanding of them. If you have not recognized your dependence on the Spirit... In the application of scripture, you're equally vulnerable. Satan masquerades as an angel of light. He comes as a friend, clothed in a holy appearance, clothed in what he knows you will see as godly. Isn't that something? He already knows what you believe godly looks like. So if your godly is about externals, he'll come dressed just like the person you would expect him to be. This serpent in the garden did not look hideous and evil to Eve, do you think? The serpent in the garden didn't have a voice like Darth Vader. He came clothed in what she would perceive as being friendly and warm. The enemy did not put his desires, hear this, the enemy did not put his desires in the heart of Eve. He spoke to her own vain imaginations. He didn't put those desires in Eve. He was not able to touch Eve in that way. He spoke to her own vain imaginings. These Corinthians were deceived because these deceivers looked and sounded like what they would see as a spiritual authority. They came clothed for deception. And it worked because these Corinthians made their assessments of them according to the flesh. The Corinthians judged them according to the flesh. These deceivers did not not introduce a corruption into the souls of the Corinthians. They nurtured the fleshy corruption that was already there. You see the difference? Oh, we love to play the victim. You look what the devil made me do. Look what this person made me do. No, you're a child of God. You're not made to do anything apart from him. Apart from him. You make a choice to walk away from his protection and his guidance. And that's not because somebody put a chain around your neck and drug you off. That's because you chose to. You know what a doppelganger is? Have you ever heard that? 
doppelganger. That's someone who looks exactly like someone else, kind of like an identical twin. Now, now, I know if there was a doppelganger of my wife, that'd be just way too much beauty for this world. But let's just say there was a doppelganger of my wife, right? Let's say there's a doppelganger of my wife. I, would, I might be deceived for a moment. For instance, she's sitting out there, and I would see her sitting there, and I'd say, oh, there's Saper, there's my wife. But uh, it would only be for a moment. Where that deception would fail is in the relationship. See, I have lived with my wife for a long time. We have shared our life experiences for over 30 years. I know her well beyond the way she looks or sounds. I know her heart. And when she is not herself, I know it. I know something's wrong by looking into her eyes. She doesn't have to tell me. Well, that is but a shadow of our relationship with Christ. It is but a shadow of our relationship with Christ. I know his voice. I know his character. I even know his aroma. And when I am deceived, it is because I have been distracted from the intimacy that I am supposed to be living in. If I was living in that intimacy, no doppelganger would lead me away from the real thing. You see, I hope none of you are afraid of thunder. Because that's just your God, okay? And he's nothing to be afraid of. I have drifted. If I fall away from that, I know when I'm deceived, I have drifted from my revelation of him in prayer, in his word, and in the body of Christ. I've begun to recognize him only according to the externals of the flesh. So that is where we fall. That is where we falter. We look at a man because we are not walking in intimacy with our God, because we don't have an intimate relationship with Him, because we have practiced ignoring the work of His Spirit, and we find a man who typifies what we think is righteous and holy by externals, and we're deceived. I will tell you that the majority of the churches out there have exactly the pastor they need and want. Because they elected him according to the picture that was within them. So when you see a church that's being led by the nose by a pastor who is fleshy, you just saw the heart of the church. I'm not saying everyone in the church. God calls missionaries to all kinds of places, right? (laughs) But the majority, the majority, we don't recognize truth by externals. 2 Corinthians 5 Verses 16 and 17. I know I use 17 a lot, but I want to put this in the right context because it speaks exactly to what we're talking about tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. This is Paul declaring, So from now on, we regard no one from a human point of view, according to worldly standards and values. Some of you may say, your translation may say, according to the flesh. Though we have known Christ from a human point of view, now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, now these two are connected. Do you see that? These two verses are connected. They're not two separate verses. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, 
We don't see him according to the flesh. We don't know him according to the flesh. He is a new creation, reborn, renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things that we used to recognize him by, the previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. It is no longer who he is. Behold, the new things have come because spiritual awakening brings new life. In other words, getting saved brings new life. So here's what he's saying. My relationship with you is not predominantly fleshy. It's just the vehicle through which I approach you here. I am to know you according to who you are in Christ. If you endeavor to know the people around them as they are known by God according to who they are in Christ or according to who they're not, it'll make all the difference in the world as to whether or not you're deceived. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.